Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, and once again, happy Mother's Day to all you ladies. Thank you for making our world beautiful and all that you do uh, and putting up with men on this planet. God's greatest, most beautiful creation. Somehow, he allows us to be a part with you, so thank you for all you do. Uh, I am going to continue on this series. Uh, we're looking at Philippians chapter 3 today, verses 1 through 3. Have you guys been reading along at all with that? Do I sound a little congested? Man, I just got COVID. I, I, my whole family got hit with COVID, and I'm just, I had bronchitis and stuff, and uh, I'm still, so I apologize if I sound a little raspy, but i coming three, three weeks ago. That's right. That's right. I'm not contagious. I, I'm not contagious. Uh, just so you know. And I know a lot of you have gone through it. But, uh, man, it's still, still in my lungs, I guess, or something. But uh, I want to I read through this. Um, and I, but I did, before I get into this, I did have a little story to tell you guys. Can I share this with you? Paul goes, no, please don't. <laughs> no, this, uh, I guess I heard this rumor about NASA that they, they decided, you know, we have so many different trips that we've done in the moon, to the moon and stuff, they wanted to build a diner up there for the astronauts so they'd have something to eat when they're up there. And apparently, it's gone very well. Uh, the astronauts love the food. They basically say the food is, is out of this world. <coughs> but the only, <laughs> the only complaint that all the astronauts have, and it's a universal complaint, you know what it is? They say there's just no atmosphere at this diner. So, Ryan, that one was for you, man. I love you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> no atmosphere. Wouldn't that be kind of cool if they did make a diner up there, man? They have hamburgers and stuff, french fries, all the astronauts. Well, let me, let me read uh, this portion of scripture, if I may. And then I'm going to go into some things that I really felt the Lord put on my heart to, to encourage you with uh, and uh, break, it, break it down a little bit. And so this is, uh, this is Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 3. And I, actually, you know what? I'm going to read it off of this because my version, this is the 1995 uh, NASB. And this is 2020 uh, NASB that I printed that you'll see. Do you guys have the notes on there? Can you show those? So, so it's a little different translation. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it is a, uh, it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and take no pride, excuse me, I said, and take pride, excuse me, in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh although I myself could boast as having confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. Blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I, I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of, 
of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Lord, I, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just speak uh, through me and let your word come alive. Lord, to, to encourage us, to, Lord, help us to understand Paul was so in love with you and so transformed by you, by the encounter he had with you, that he was willing to count everything as loss for knowing you. So I pray you would open our eyes to see what your spirit is saying to your church today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, something about Paul, he, he was so uh, <clears throat> changed by his encounter with Jesus that he considered it all rubbish. One of the translations for that is actually a garbage pile, a heap of garbage, or even it's really kind of gross, but dung. It's called, it, it, the, a translation of it is, is literally dung, meaning I count everything as lost. And Dan had this great analogy about that. Like imagine, you know, Paul was in his, in his, uh, the best game. He was at the height of his game. He was a leader. He lists all those, those qualities that he had, qualifications. So he was at the top of his game and something changed in him. Now he, uh, if you were to compare it to today, Dan had a great analogy and it would be sort of like, uh, LeBron James. You guys know who LeBron James is? I, I really don't. No, I do. I do know him. I don't follow sports, but I do, I do know him. Imagine him at the top of his game. Would you say he's, at the, he's one of the best players in the world, whatever? If he were to say, this is nothing compared to Jesus, and he started sharing Jesus. Well, that's what Paul did, and that's what got him in prison. He's in prison now sharing this message that he was transformed by Jesus, and people didn't like it. And so he says some amazing things. The first thing he says, which I think is really, truly the theme of this, is rejoice in the Lord. Just rejoice in the Lord. He says, it's no problem for me to say it again, and it's going to be for your safety to rejoice in the Lord. And uh, he, he literally then says some amazing things. He actually says, beware of the dogs. I, I really believe, you know how we have those signs now in the back alleys and stuff? They got it from Paul, I think. I'm pretty sure they got it from Paul. <laughs> He was the first one who said it. It's there in scripture. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the dogs. <laughs> Paul. But see, that the dogs he's referring to, you guys know what he's referring to? Legalists. Beware of the legalists. Then he says, beware of the evil workers or evildoers. And I believe what he's saying there is people that were trying to pull people away from Christianity into a pagan uh, religion and at, that, at that time. And they were very involved with that very deeply involved with, with pagan worship. And then he says the false circumcision, which is about people were saying, as I mentioned in my last message, uh, you had to be circumcised to be saved. That was part of your salvation. And he's saying, no, no, you don't. You, that's no longer necessary because of Jesus. So he was transformed. And he was literally saying, now rejoice in the Lord. And some of the translations there are... Uh, the meaning of that is to give joy, to gladden. In the Amplified Version, it actually says to delight in the Lord. 
And so I started looking at that, and there's a, 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 a reference to this in Psalm 37. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I started thinking about, what does that mean, to delight yourself in the Lord? Because I, 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 I never could uh, delight myself in the Lord for, I didn't even know what that, what that meant. But as God transformed me, and I began to see some things, uh, what that really means is to be soft with the Lord. Uh, to be, it's a delicate, to be delicate with him. And for me, I, I believe that means to just open my heart up. You know those moments when you're really honest with yourself about where you are and what you believe? And I've told you guys before, I didn't, I didn't uh, grow up in a Christian family, but I, I know God was on, uh, talking to me and speaking to me, even in all the chaos, you know? Uh, matter of fact, one year, I was probably eight, eight or nine. My friend Micah Sarge and I decided to go to church for the first time. They had this Baptist church called North Park Baptist Church. It's about 20 miles away or something. But they'd send a bus into the neighborhood. And it was called the Happy Bus. And everybody on that bus was happy. I'm not kidding you. They're throwing candy to the kids, telling stories. Everyone was happy. And I'd see it go by. And I'm going, man, there's something about that, you know. And I wasn't happy. So I said, Mike, let's go to the North Park Baptist Church. Let's get on the happy bus, man. <laughs> so we did. We did. And we, will, we go to North Park Baptist Church, and, you know, uh, in the traditional Baptist church, they have a Bible study before the service, right? And I didn't know that. I, so they kind of marched us off to do the Bible study, <clears throat> and they gave us a Bible as we're walking in the door. And I still have that Bible. I still have the Bible. Isn't that amazing how Jesus just knows this little kid that was lost and didn't know anything. And she hands me this Bible, and then we go into the classroom. And Mike now, just to clarify, we're, we're, we might have been older than eight. I, I don't remember. But he was bigger than me anyway, and he was, had a lot of facial hair at the time. He still had facial hair. So he literally, I think Mike, my friend Mike, he grew hair like whiskers, real whiskers, when he was probably three or four years old. I'm almost sure. He was bigger, looked like a man. So we go to this class, and we're in the same class. But he was a little bit older than me, but he was held back, and we were in the same class. That's the honest truth. And this lady goes, what are you guys doing? I go, we're going to the Bible study. She goes, no, you're, you're not in the same class. I go, yeah, we are. And then she said this. Now, I'm not blaming her because I reacted to this. She goes, you're a liar. You're not, not going to be in the same class. You go over there. You go over there. And I got so angry that I didn't go to church for 10 years after that. Can you believe that? I actually went to the bus and sat uh, outside the bus. My friend Mike was like, whatever, dude, I'm going to the Bible study. And he went in there, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't go back for 10 years. I may have gone once to church, like somewhere, but I, I didn't know Jesus. I hadn't been in, encountering him. Well, then fast forward to 1985, I was a, a student at the University of Arizona in, in Tucson. And uh, I'm in an art class. I'm studying landscape architecture. I'm in an art class. And two weeks prior to this, I had prayed. I found that Bible, and I would read it in my dorm room because I was so lost and so lonely and tired and frustrated. And, um, but I'd take it out. But sadly, it was in the King James Version. I didn't understand a lick of it, you know, <laughs> and I'd fall asleep. <laughs> I'd fall asleep. And, but God, I know he was speaking to me, you know. 
And I prayed one night. I said, Lord, if you're real, I don't even know. This Bible doesn't make any sense to me, but I want to know you. And so a few weeks after I prayed that prayer, this is, I believe God answers these prayers, doesn't he? You know what I'm talking about. He does, maybe not in the way we think or whatever. And his timing is perfect. Well, I come out of this art class and it's just starting to turn dark. And I hear this beautiful music. The most beautiful music I've ever heard in my life. And it was in the direction of the U of A. They have a mall. You guys are familiar with U of A? There's a big grass mall about a half a mile long. And there's events on there. And people would hang out there. And so I make my way up there because I'm just like, what in the world? And, uh, and sure enough, there, there's a stage, a little stage. And there's a guy singing, singing gospel songs. And he was really, it was beautiful. And I sit down, but then all of a sudden the dust devil stirred up and blows around him and he starts choking and gagging and, and I'm like, what in the world's going on here? And it was awkward and weird. Nobody was there. But you know who came up and saw him, t- uh, tapped me on the shoulder? It was a campus minister. I had prayed, God, I want to know you. And this, out of nowhere, in the most ridiculous circumstances, this tap on my shoulder and I started a friendship with this guy and about a year later is when I when I really met the Lord and had this encounter. And so when he's saying rejoice in the Lord, I really believe it's about that tender place where we can be honest with him. And he's there and he speaks and he begins to show you things. And it's not about how angry he is. It's not about what you've done wrong. It's about this amazing love that I I did not know. I didn't know what that was. And uh, I, I was absolutely blown away to the point where I, in my, in my apartment, my two roommates had gone to uh, home and, and I was there by myself. I just cried and cried and cried. Joy uh, cries because of Jesus and his love and forgiveness and that I was, was a different person. But I didn't know all that then. Now what I'm sharing with you is what I believe Paul wants everyone to know. Man, this delight, this joy that comes from the Lord is really about being honest and being real, and taking the appearances of all the smiley faces and all the things that we just do to make life work and go, what's really going on, man? I'm confused, I'm sad. And that's where he comes in, that tender moment, and touches us, man. Well, thank God he does, because um, he, uh, he wants us to be, be with him. So... Um, then he says something very amazing. Paul says, I count all this as loss, as I mentioned earlier. Like, could you imagine just having this amazing life and then just saying, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore? What, what changed him? What, what, you know what I mean? He was radically changed by this encounter. He counts it all loss to be found in him, to be found in him, not having a righteousness of his own, but, but a righteousness that comes from from Jesus. Now, in Romans chapter 5, 6, and 7, if you read through those, in, in my opinion, that, that is the heart of Paul's theology. Uh, he lays out what the Christian life is all about. And in chapter 5, he does this comparison between what Adam did and what Jesus did. And the language is really amazing. He says, as in Adam, this happened, but so much more in Christ, this happens. So he makes this comparison. And scripture says in Corinthians that all are in Adam are dead spiritually, 
but you're in Christ, those who are in Christ are made alive, made, made new. And so in verse 19 of Romans 5, Paul says something very profound. He says this, for as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, referring to Adam, meaning we're dead now, so also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. What does that mean, do you think? Does that mean you have to do something to become righteous? I don't think it does. I did for a lot of years. And, and I've talked about this with people. I believe that the moment we believe in Jesus, we are made righteous by his life. He gives us his life. And I know you guys know that, but I, I just want to remind you how powerful that is. <laughs> because if I look at my behavior, which I have done really stupid things, even recently, uh, that's not who I am. My behavior is not, uh, that, that does not determine my identity. It's I'm righteous. And when I think about that, it brings me into that tender place with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I think of Peter, man. He blew it. He denied his Lord three times. He said, I'll never do it. And he goes, before a roaster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And even but some scriptures say he cursed. I don't know him. And then he wept. And that's when Jesus met him and said, you know what? Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Love them. Feed them. He didn't. He didn't condemn Peter for denying him. Think about how brokenhearted Jesus must have felt, you know. When you, when you blow it, you, uh, you need to know you're still righteous. <laughs> Amen? That's a hard one to get, isn't it? In the rest of chapter 6, he goes in and he says, man, shall we, what, shall we continue in sin? Because right... Be, Prior to that, I, I should say, in Romans 5, he says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. It's an unbelievable truth that when we see that, it's like, oh my goodness. And then Paul says, well, shall we continue in sin then in Romans 6? May it never be. So that grace may abound, just keep sinning. So grace abounds, no, no, you're missing it. It's, he says, don't you know that you died with Christ and you're made new? And baptism is a, is a powerful part of that whole thing. That you are saying, I've been, I've been uh, crucified with Christ in the spirit. I've, I've died, I've given, I have a new identity. And the rest of 6, Romans 6, Paul says, now remember who you are and live out of that newness. You know what happens with me when I live out of the newness and I consider myself, for example, dead to sin and alive to God? I don't sit around thinking about all my failures and sin. I think about the fact that Christ's life is in me and he's given me that life to live. And I can, I can blow it and still know he loves me and my friends love me and it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't make me, you know, what the enemy wants me to believe. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not those things. Jesus says, you have tremendous value and I love you and I gave you my life and you can live free. His will is perfect freedom. Perfect freedom for us. Well, 
Uh, I have about two more hours left in this message, so sit tight. I know this is going to be a long one. Uh, no, I'm almost done here. I just want to wrap up and, and say, you know, this, this comment that Paul says, he says it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Very familiar scripture. You remember? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but I, Christ lives in me. This is powerful. This isn't just a euphemism of trying to be a better person. This is recognizing that your old sinful nature that it talks about in Romans 6 was crucified with him the moment you believe. I, I believe that. Let me illustrate what I mean. If I've been crucified with Christ, well, if you and I are praying with somebody for the first time that doesn't know Jesus, this is what I believe happens in the spirit because God is outside of time. So that dead part of you, the dead part of me, he takes and he takes it back through time and puts it on the cross with Jesus. In that same moment, that's how big he is. That's how awesome he is. And then he can say, you've been crucified with Christ. You've been buried with him. What part? The dead part. And now you've been raised up and you have a new life. And the enemy wants you to believe, no, you don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know what I did yesterday. Some of you, see, uh, you know what I mean? I, that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, no, no, no. This is, you've been crucified with Christ. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in Christ because he made me new. And that's what Paul's saying. He wasn't on the cross with Jesus, was he? In a literal sense, no. But he's saying something so profound. And this is throughout his whole message to the Philippians and to everybody. Be free. Jesus has made you something new. And when you realize that, that encounter, that identity changes you forever. I've been crucified with Christ. That's your new identity. So let me, I want to pray as I close. And I want you to just take a moment. You know, we get so busy. And, and we don't stop sometimes to, to think about what's really going on in our hearts. And I don't know, some of you might be just being beaten down by the enemy. And, and confused or hurt or sad or whatever. And maybe your gospel identity has been skewed. I want to pray that God would show you your identity. Can I take a moment to do that? And I just want you to close your eyes with me and pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord to do what only he can do. Lord, thank you for your grace and your love for us. Lord, we, when we think about even Terry was praying, Lord, you created us to 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 have a relationship with you. Dan has said in his testimony, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And in that relationship, you make us new. You give us a new identity. Paul knew this so deeply. And he, he said, rejoice. Open your heart, be tender with the Lord. And Lord, right now I ask for every heart, every person to just take a moment and be real with you, be honest. And Lord, I pray you would take any blinders off our eyes and show us our true identity in Christ. Sometimes it's a beautiful picture. Sometimes it's something we can't even imagine. Lord, let your truth hit our hearts right now. And we thank you, Lord. I'm just going to wait a moment. And maybe you can even ask him, Lord, show me. Show me. And if you haven't believed in the Lord, all it takes is simply to say, I believe you. I want to turn away from what I've been doing and I believe you, I love you, I want to know you and he'll show you he'll show you thank you Lord
precious and beautiful. Lord, thank you. You answer our prayers and we ask. There's no condemnation for those in Christ, Paul said, because Jesus took every bit of all the condemnation on himself. We're free. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the spirit, the law of sin and death. And I pray, Lord, as we go, that you would remind us of this moment Show us our identity and let us live out of that identity and freedom. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, hey, Rob. Amen. Yes. I, I know you're about to dismiss, oh, yeah. but yeah. can you speak to baptism in Romans 6.3? Because oh, what sure. you said last night was so good about that. And Oh, I, sure. Can you speak to what that word baptism means and what you said? Yes, what? yes, sure. And, and, and by the way, I, I think maybe even in some other messages I've shared this, but I'm not coming against baptism in water. Baptism in water is very important. It's symbolic, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's an expression of what happens. But the language in Romans 6 is, the translation is uh, a little different. So the word baptizo is translated directly into English as baptized. Baptizo means placed into. So the, there's a symbolic meaning of that in water and all that is very true and there's power in that and there's a faith moment. Uh, Pastor Dan mentioned that. There's, there's a moment to express that publicly. Man, I... I'm in Christ. But I, I believe what Paul's saying there is the moment you believe, the moment I believe, you are placed where? In Christ. And so that's the story I was sharing. Like the moment a person believes, spiritually they're put in Christ. You're translated out of death into life in the spirit. Now you may not feel it. You may not know all that, but that's what it says. And he says it very clearly, so I'll read it to you. Did you guys mind if I do? I don't want to keep you very long. I, I know this is, but it's fun to talk about this, isn't it? It's really great. So Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So he's referring to this this death that happens when we're taken out of Adam's death and into Christ. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, and I'm going to say placed into. When I say placed into, it makes it a little more real. Do you not know that all of us who have been placed into Christ have been placed into his death? The spiritual death. The cross. It's a spiritual truth. Therefore, we've been buried with him through being placed into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There's that newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likenesses of his resurrection. Knowing this, and this is, this is so important, that our old self was crucified with him. Man, what? Now this isn't just a symbolic thing. This is... The old nature was crucified with Christ. That's a literal truth, that old nature. Now, you may say, but Rob, I continue to struggle in some of these areas. I did this. Well, that's behavior. That can be a fleshly thing. That can be whatever. It's not your identity in Christ. He's saying you are now new. 
you are placed into Christ and knowing this, our old self, that dead part of us was crucified, that old nature crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that you will no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Man, that is awesome truth. And 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 I, I didn't understand this for many, many years because I would struggle with, but but man, I still struggle with some of these areas in my life. Isn't that sin? Well, that's that's true, it is. And I I am not saying in any way, shape, or form that that that's you know it's 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 a justification. It just means I now have a recognition I am no longer that's not who I am anymore. And if I remember that, I start walking away from the sin stuff. Right? And I start going, man, this newness, this life, this new life, I want to move in that direction. Show me more. Show me more. And then I, I look back and I go, man, that's the victory that Jesus has given us that we don't have, we're not slaves anymore. We're free. And I, I know when these little kids get baptized or if any of you want to get baptized, it's one of the most powerful things to say that publicly. I am new in Christ, man. He loves me. I've been crucified. We can all say that as believers. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And if, even if I blow it, my Lord loves me, forgives me, and it's a new day. Amen? Amen. All right. Whew. Man, I can just keep going all day. You guys want to stay here? No. no. Thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray as we go that you would bless everyone here. Lord, touch the moms here, their hearts, and show them how much they're loved and all the women in our lives. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you. Bless them. Show them how much they're appreciated and loved. And Lord, we pray for a great day. Thank you it didn't snow as much as it should have. Amen. We can get out and do something outside. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming, you guys. Have a great rest of your day.